0: Ephesians chapter 6, We're working our way through the armor, the spiritual armor that the Lord has given us, and remember it's a representing the spiritual condition of our lives so that we can defend ourselves, so that we can uh, stay alive from the attacks of the enemy. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 is continuing in our series with the blueprint for Christian conduct, and uh, many times we Come to the Lord and forget that he's not called us just to be, uh, you know, Christians, but to be warriors. We're soldiers in the army of God. Amen. And Sometimes we don't understand that, but we have to be soldiers because we're in a fight. So soldiers are prepared and God has given us these implements here to keep us safe on the spiritual battlefield. I'm going to read Ephesians 6, 14 through 17 in just a minute here, but let's thank God for the Word. Father, we thank you for the Word this morning. Holy Spirit, quicken our minds and open our hearts so that we can receive the engrafted Word today, Lord God. Allow it to change us from the inside out. Father, don't let any of us leave here the way we came, but transform us by the renewing of our minds that the Word of God would change us from the old nature to the new nature. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 14. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Verse 16, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which we will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 17 is our target this morning. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Now we're only going to cover one implement. We're going to cover the helmet of salvation today. And there's not much listed here in the text. It just says to take up the helmet of salvation. Now, remember, we said all the, all the armor works together in concert to protect us. Every implement is important. You can't go out there uh, with a shield and no sword. You can't go out there without your feet prepared and, and just a shield. There, there has to be a, a working of all the components together to keep us spiritually safe. So the text very simply says, take the helmet of salvation. Now that word take there implies that you know, we have a choice. You can you know you can take something or you cannot take it. Come on, you've been through the buffet line before. The chicken looks good. I'm taking that. That green stuff with something floating in it? I ain't taking that. But the text is very clear. It says take the helmet of salvation. So the next two pieces of the armor, the, the helmet and the sword, God is saying that we need to make a decision of our will to pick them up, to put them on. There were some other uh, things that we had to do and, and there's some preparation, but realize there's always a part for us to play in any battle. Whatever you're going through, God is fighting for you. He is with you. He is with you, but you and I have to get up and, and take these implements and take the fight to the enemy to some degree. Come on. we got to do our part. You know, too many Christians just, you know, we want God to pamper us. And when things don't go our way, we get, we roll up in a ball and we're on the ground and we're, we're like, oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't sign up for this. I don't actually want to get in, in the battle. I don't actually want to get in danger. I don't actually want to get my hands dirty. You know, and we're we're laying on the full floor in the fetal position there, and we're waiting for God to come over and go, oh, my little poopsie whoopsie, Were you scared of the big, bad devil? Daddy will take care of him for you. No, he said to Job, stand up like a man and gird your loins and stand before me like a man. And and Job was going through some stuff, amen. And God basically said to him, "Don't, don't be a sniveling little, you know, don't fall apart on me. Stand up. Gird yourself. And let me speak to you man to man. God wants his people not to just cower, not to hide, not to circle the wagons, not to run to the hills, but to stand up and be part of the fight because the battle is the Lord's, but we are his army. Come on. So it's the helmet of salvation, and he tells us to take it. Now, God's not going to just slap a helmet on our heads and stick a sword in our hand and download all the information on how to use them skillfully. That's not our God. He's a perfect gentleman. He created us in his image, and we have a free will. We have a choice. So I'm telling you today, you need to make a choice to put the helmet on. You need to make a choice to take up the sword of the Spirit. We're going to get to that in a different message, but today it's all about the helmet of salvation. So let's talk about helmets today. Helmets, you know, keep us from cracking our heads. We wear helmets for everything in our society, don't we? I remember when I was a kid, you know, we didn't have helmets like kids have helmets today. Man, we just got on a bicycle, build a ramp out of old plywood, go flying through the air, fall out of trees, ride whipping down the road on mini bikes, no helmet. Come on, all the young people are like that's that's not you. You're gonna get arrested. CPS is coming for you. We were, we were savages, and you know. Every, everything now, you, you know, we got something to protect our heads. And soldiers have known for centuries that it's a good idea to protect your head in battle. Amen? And uh, it, it makes perfect sense here. We've got to choose to put the helmet on. The helmet is what protects us. But if we don't wear it, if we, if we don't utilize it, then our, our minds are wide open to a, uh, so many attacks. And listen, y- your head is still the primary target. Yeah, it's your vitals and your midsection and stuff, but the head is the primary target. We're going to talk about why. You know, boxers throw exponentially more punches at the head than they do with the body. Now, if they were smart, they'd hit the body so the hands would come down so they could hit the head, but they're not smart. And you see it, the punch tallies will go, head, head, headshot, headshot, every angle, trying to get it in there. The enemy is just the same way. He always wants to take out the head. Now, he can't take out Jesus, who's the head of the church, but he can take out pastors who head up churches as under-shepherds. He can take out our minds as believers and so confuse us and so scramble our thoughts and so twist our thinking that we become casualties on the battlefields. Yeah. So we've got to protect our heads. For centuries, soldiers have been doing it. They've been putting every kind of thing you could think on on their head. The breastplate of righteousness protects the heart, and it protects our vitals, but we've got to protect our heads. Now, we've seen in the last 20 years of us fighting the war on terror that our enemy has constantly inflicted casualties upon us by using IEDs. And that's an improvised explosive device. And what they do is they're blowing up our soldiers in their vehicles and they're giving them traumatic brain injuries. And we see a parade of soldiers coming home from the battlefield. They look fine on the outside. They maybe have all their limbs. They look normal, but inside they're broken. Those traumatic brain injuries are so sad to see people struggle with them. They can't do the things they, they normally do. They can't, you know, function. And spiritually, there are a lot of Christians who look fine on the outside. They come to church every Sunday, carry a Bible, and they sound spiritual. But inside, they're broken because they haven't protected their minds and they don't think like Jesus, and they don't act like Jesus, and they don't have a biblical worldview, and the church is in trouble. It's as if it were that we have these traumatic brain injuries. We look good on the outside, but on the inside, we don't reflect the truth of God's Word. And God wants us to protect our minds. He wants us to be protected, and he's given us to implement to protect us. An unprotected mind will open the Christian up to a variety of mental attacks. Do you realize the enemy attacks your mind, And that's why the helmet's there, and it makes perfect sense. So listen, if we don't protect our minds, we're open to all these mental attacks, and what the enemy does is he breaks us down from the inside out. We look good, but we're broken. So the helmet of salvation is very important, as every implement of the armor is important. The helmet's strength is tied not to its construction or not to how it's fitted, but it's tied to the fact that it is the helmet of salvation. Our salvation is the strength of the helmet. You you don't want to just put anything on your head. You want to put something on that's going to protect it, amen? You you know, in the Civil War, they, they just had hats on. I'm like... Those, those poor guys, you know, we need to put something on there that's going to protect us. What's going to protect us? The fact that we, mentally we understand this great and wonderful and tremendous and incredible salvation we have. What an amazing gift it is that you and I are saved today. Come on, that there's no doubt about it. It's not like, well, I hope I make it. You hear people who don't know Christ. Well, if you die, where are you going? Well, I hope I go to heaven. You know, I hope I do enough good things. I hope I, you know, I hope God grades on a curve. I, I hope I slip through. I'm charming, you know. I can, you know, St. Peter, I'll work him at the gate there. He'll let me in. We've got to know that we know that we know that we know that we're saved. And God gives us that assurance this morning. That this helmet protects us with the knowledge of salvation. That's where its strength comes from. Listen, knowing we are saved brings us great mental strength and peace of mind. If you know that you're saved and no matter what occurs, that you can trust the Lord and He's faithful and that you're safe in His hands, that gives you mental strength to face any situation in life. That gives you peace of mind. Come on, church, wake up this morning. Wake up this morning. Oh, man, I'm all falling apart. I have no peace. Put the helmet of salvation on. Oh, I'm, I'm full of anxiety. I don't know what to do with myself. That, that, that's not the salvation that God has given us, amen? Life is short. Eternity's long. You and I are headed for heaven. Mental strength and peace of mind. We need it now more than ever. I want to cover four ways that the helmet of salvation protects us. Remember, this this idea of protecting the mind is all wrapped up in the idea that we are saved and that God has assured us of our salvation. This morning, if you don't know what saved means, that means that you've been forgiven of your sins and that you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If you don't know how to get that, I'm going to give you opportunity at the end of this message to receive Jesus Christ and to be saved. What happens when we're saved? God forgives our sins. He fills us with the Holy Spirit, and he marks us as one of his very own children. So salvation is what gives us that mental strength. Did you ever meet someone who had mental strength? I mean, usually leaders, military leaders, leaders in community, church, business, what? When everything's coming unglued and everybody's falling apart, they are calm and cool. Now, they might be freaking out on the inside, but they look calm and cool. And that gives peace to those around them. So this mental strength, this peace of mind, it comes from the helmet of salvation. And there's four ways that it protects us. Number one, the first way the helmet of salvation protects us is that it protects our thought life. Did you know you had a thought life? Yeah. <laughs> what we think, what we entertain in our minds... What we fixate on, that's our thought life. I, I was telling first service when I drove here this morning, you know, I was up. I didn't turn the radio on. I'm driving in the car, and my mind is just racing from one topic to the next. Have you ever been there? You know, your thought life, you're thinking about this. You're thinking about that. You're thinking about this person. You're praying for that one. You're, you're praying, you know, you're, you're trying to figure out what to, and, and, and just all over the place, I almost felt the Lord say to me, son, son, Focus follow my finger. You know, and our minds, they get, they get frazzled. They get, they get so busy. They get so cluttered. This helmet that God has given us, it protects our thought life. Now, it's no accident that it is the, it is the helmet of salvation because it's our salvation that gives us that mental peace. But saved people need to know two things about their mind. Number one, your mind is always going to be under attack. If you're a Christian Your mind is going to be under attack by the world, by everything around us, by the enemy of your soul. It's going to be attacked by your own flesh, by the people around you. Come on. You can't avoid it. You can't escape it. You can't hide from it. Well, I'll just go on the island all by myself. They'll find you. A coconut will ring, and it'll be somebody asking about your extended warranty. They'll find you. You can't run from it. If you didn't laugh at that, just get out. I mean, <laughs> Our minds are constantly under attack. And you say, well, why in the world is that? Because our enemy knows that our mind is the seedbed for all our actions and choices in life. Why do we do things that are wrong? Because we've entertained it in our mind. Why why are our actions and our choices bad? Because we've entertained things in our mind that are wrong. We're going to dig into this a little bit today. But our minds are constantly under attack, and the enemy knows if he can beat us in our thinking, if he can twist our thinking, if he can get us to think the opposite of what God's word says, he's got us beat without firing a shot. Listen, dear saint, I want to tell you something. Sin does not happen in your life randomly. People say, I was just walking around and I fell into sin. (laughs) You didn't fall into sin. Sin was planted in your mind as a seed a long time ago. And listen to me. Uh, Sin doesn't just happen randomly out of the blue for no apparent reason. Uh, Long before sin manifests itself in our, our bodies or in the natural, it has started off as a thought in our head. The adulterer, the adulteress, the the thief, the person, they've entertained these ideas in their head to the point where they've got that idea from their head to their heart and now it's expressed itself in the body. This is the way sin works. Don't let the enemy fool you. Your thought life is the first point of attack where the breach begins, if we get to thinking wrong things, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to take this, I'm gonna, you know, and, and, it, and it starts off here. And if we entertain it long enough, it gets in our hearts. Did you, ever, did you ever look at something so long that you had to have it? Come on, don't look so holy out there. No, I just pray in tongues all day. I, I have no idea what you When I was a kid, you, you know, the Christmas story movie, what did Ralphie want? BB gun, right? When I was a kid, I wanted a BB gun. I don't know if, if you remember this, but there was a store called Service Merchandise, and they had a catalog. I'm telling you what, I memorized the page, Ray. I memorized the page. In the, I could, oh, I knew all the BB guns there. I was Ralphie. I was looking at the thing. Oh, and I want that. And I, and I thought about it for so long, I, I got obsessed. I had to have it. And then finally, after haunting my, present, my parents, you'll shoot your eye out. No, you know, it finally got it for me and you know it just always stuck in my mind that I literally had memorized the page the one I wanted the description of it you guys are no fun (laughs) what I'm trying to tell you here is what you allow your mind to fixate on will get in your heart and then once it gets in your heart you have got to have it and you'll sacrifice almost anything to get it so be careful little eyes what you see Our thought life needs to be protected. Our minds are constantly under attack. Sin doesn't just happen randomly. It manifests itself into action, but it starts off as a thought. So the second thing I want to tell you about this is it's our duty to police our thoughts. Just because a thought pops in your head doesn't mean you have to entertain it. In fact, I I was saying, you know, have you ever had a thought pop into your head that was just so, you were so unhappy with it that you just went like, "Ugh!" I'm driving down the road, maybe some thought of the past or something or just, I mean, you just, you actually physically shake your head because you don't want to think that thought. You and I have a duty as believers to police our thoughts. It's our mind. We decide what we're going to entertain in it. We're not just, you know, like some blank screen getting downloaded. No, listen, we have to choose what we're going to think. Just because that thought pops in doesn't mean I have to think it. Sometimes I need to rebuke it instantly. Come on. The Holy Spirit helps us to filter out the wrong thoughts, the non-biblical thoughts, the bad thoughts. He helps us to nip them in at the bud there because if we allow them to stay, they'll take root and they'll produce fruit in our lives. Fixate on a wrong thought, entertain a wrong thought for long enough, it'll get in your heart and it'll express itself in your body. Listen to 2 Corinthians ten five today. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity, speaking to us, Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Did you hear that? We have to captivate our thoughts. We have to snatch them. Sometimes we've got to shake them right out of our head. We've got to bring them into captivity, and we've got to cast them down. Why? Because there are things that are high things that what exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. I know God says this, but, you know, what's floating around here says the opposite. So if I think about that, eventually I reject this. God says to live pure. God says to be holy. God says to, you know, to fill, fill our lives with good things. God says to have a relationship with him. But I'm not doing any of that. I'm doing everything about... What's going on up here. We've got to police those thoughts, cast them down. And every time the enemy brings a thought that we know is, is contrary to what God's will is for our life, we have to like just snatch it down and rebuke it in Jesus' name, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Amen. What I think... It's my responsibility. And when I know that I'm thinking something that's contrary to the word of God, the Bible says love my wife, but I'm not going to love my wife. I'm going to love myself. I know what I'm called to do, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do what I want to do. bringing to captivity those thoughts, bringing to people say, why don't you do this? Because God didn't say I could do that. Why don't you go live there? Because God didn't say I could go live there. Why don't you start this? Because God didn't tell me to start that. Bringing into captivity everything. But a thought popped into my head. Sometimes when a thought pops into your head, you've got to just filter it right through the word of God. Amen. And if it's not a God, you've got to rebuke it and cast it down. Because if you allow it to take root, it's going to produce fruit in your life. Philippians uh, 4:8 defines the scope of a healthy thought life. We want our thought life to be healthy. Listen to what Philippians 4:8 says. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise think on these things. Did you hear that? There's the scope of a healthy thought life, true things, honest things, just, pure. If there's any good report, if they're lovely, if they're virtuous, if they're praiseworthy, think on these things. All those other things, bring those thoughts into captivity. Amen. All the negative, all the complaining, all the anxiety, all the hatred. Come on. Come on, church. Wake up this morning. Don't fall asleep on me. Amen. We got to get this today. Our minds are under attack. And if we could see what a lot of us around us are thinking, it would scare not only us, but I I mean, it would scare us. (laughs) So we've we've got to get our minds under control. We've got to police our thoughts. We have to have a healthy thought life. Otherwise, we're going to produce wrong things. The second thing the helmet of salvation protects us from is going back to our old ways. You know... When you're a Christian, the Bible says that you become brand new. Many times when you hear me give an altar call, I say, if you would like a clean f- a slate and a fresh start, you know, come to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus will forgive your sins and he'll give you a clean slate and a fresh start. 2 Corinthians 5:17, Paul puts it this way: Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Did you hear that? New, new creature. You're still a creature, but you're new. (laughs) Old things have passed away. What's that? The old nature, the old desires, the old thoughts, the old sin mind. I want pleasure. I want to feel good. I want to take what I want. That that passes away. I, I want to drink. I want to get drunk. I want to smoke. I want to get high. That passes away. Thank God it passes away. Thank God for newness. Thank God for a clean slate and a fresh start. Thank God that all things become new. Yes, we're brand new when we're in Christ, but let me tell you something. We are always in very real danger of returning to our old ways. Because I'm new, there there is a danger that I'll default to my original setting of being the old way of thinking. So being new is a great thing, but it, but it comes with some responsibility. Why? Because we have to be very careful that we allow the Lord to keep us in that state of newness, and we don't get stale. What was one of the greatest dangers to the church? If you look at the book of Revelation, it, it was that it was becoming lukewarm. Well, I'm I'm new. I'm a new Christian. New Christians are fun. They're excited. They want to serve God. They like everybody. Then they, then they serve the Lord for a while, and they become these sour saints. They suck on them spiritual lemons, and now they have a complaint about everything and an opinion about everything, and I don't like this one, and I don't like that preacher, I don't like this one, and I, that's too long, and that's too loud, and this is ah! Make a preacher's hair and teeth fall out. But being new comes with the responsibility to allow God to main, maintain that newness, and that's what the helmet of salvation is about, so we don't slip back into our old ways, especially our old ways of thinking. A huge part of being a new creature that Second Corinthians 5.17 talks about is that we think differently about everything now. As, a Christian, as Christians, you and I should think differently about everything now. We should have a biblical worldview we shouldn't go by, you know, what the world says, what Oprah, Dr. Phil, the Democrats, the Republicans, oh, I think, I think like this, I think along. No, we should have a biblical worldview. It is horrifying to me how many people can sit in this church, listen to my anointed preaching, listen to the scripture, and they don't think like God thinks about things at all about abortion, about Israel, about sex before marriage, about living together, about adultery, about divorce. Sometimes it's exhausting. But we should think differently because we're new. We should think differently about God. Before we come to God, many of us have weird ideas about who God is that he's this grumpy old guy up there with a big white beard, and he's just watching all of us to wait for one of us to step out of line, and then he's playing whack-a-mole with us. (laughs) Oh, Rick was bad today. Boom. Oh, uh, you're going to have a bad day today, Rick. You better get it together. Oh, you still didn't get it together. Boom. That's not God. But when we were lost, that was our view of God. Oh, he's always mad. He's in a bad mood. Don't bother him today say some quiet prayers. Just stay below the radar. No, he's Abba Father. He's Daddy God. He's the lover of our souls. <laughs> we need to think differently about God. We need to think differently about the church. Many of us, before we were saved, church was something to avoid or just to do out of uh, some sort of spiritual duty. I'm a and Christian. I go to church Christmas and Easter. But now we think differently about church. And every time the doors are open, we want to be with the people of God and sit under the anointing and hear the word and worship together. Come on. If if you're not feeling it, just do it by faith. Amen. We need to think differently about the lost. God loves the lost. Oh, they're annoying. They're sinful. They're, They're this and they're that. Judge them, Lord. Oh, that's the wrong heart. We have a burning passion for the lost. We need to think differently about people. People are important to God. We're so caught up in materialism. We're not taking any of this junk with us. You know, you're not getting up to heaven with a U-Haul. What's, what's that? Oh, that's my stuff. That, that ain't coming in here. You don't need that stuff anymore. We need to think differently about sin. You know, before we came to Christ, you know, we, we enjoyed the pleasures of sin for a season oh, I want to do this and I want to do that and I want to feel good and I want to do what I want and, you know, sleep with who I want and I don't want any accountability. I just, you know, I'm enjoying my sin. The pleasures of sin are for a season and then it's payday and then the fun is over and the cost is more than any of us would ever want to pay. What can a man give in exchange for his soul? What fleeting moments of pleasure are worth our eternal souls? You need to think differently about sin. I found out that until I hate sin and see it like God sees it, I'm not going to have any victory over it. Some of us look at certain sins, oh, I like that. That's you know, I'm not going to do it. I know it's wrong, but boy, I really like that. I wish I could do it. Right? Am I just being real? The Holy Spirit one day showed me as a young man, until you hate that thing and see it how I see it, you're not going to have victory over it. We need to think differently, church. Romans twelve two tells us that our minds must actually undergo a transformation. Did you know you were a transformer? <laughs> Rictimus prime. Listen to what Paul says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, there it is, by the renewing of your mind. What renews it? It's the word of God, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Our minds need to be transformed. The word of God is what transforms them. Turn off your phone, turn off your TV, turn off Netflix, turn off Facebook, and get in the word of God. because our minds need to be renewed. We don't think right. And the helmet of salvation protects us from going back to our old ways. Number three, the helmet of salvation protects us from our past. All of us struggle with things that have happened in the past. All of us, memories of the past, Lou, those are those things where you're just like, ah, right? You got to shake it out of your head. Pastor Mike's excited about this one. That's a good one, right? (laughs) But we we need some, all of us need some level of protection from our pasts. Some of us need witness protection to hide from our past. That's for the Italians. That was for you. Right, Lewis? Okay. Thank God for the blood of the lamb. But our past is, is an issue, and it's something that we have to have victory over. And until our minds are protected... Uh, from the memories and and the things that have happened in our past, we're going to be plagued by our past, and we're going to have a lot of issues. The truth is way too many believers are plagued by thoughts of their past, past sins, past failures, bad behaviors, harsh words that were spoken to us, harsh words that we spoke to others, betrayals, and on and on it goes. The devil loves to remind us of our past. He replays the darkest moments of our lives over and over again in the theater of our mind on a loop just to afflict us. Come on, have you ever been there? You just, over and over, out of nowhere, where did that come from? It's that our minds are open, and the enemy, he's got nothing on you in the present, so he dredges something up out of your past, and he throws it on you, and you're like, oh, wow, man. I'm unworthy. I, 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 that can't be forgiven. I, I, you know, I must be disqualified. Wow. It's quiet because we can all relate to those things. Because we've all had them whispered in our ear. And the devil is a liar. I want to tell you something. When the devil reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. He's destined for the pit. He's destined for hell. That's where He's going. Right now, he's the accuser of the brethren, but someday, our God's going to chain him up and throw him into the abyss, and he's going to be tormented there day and night forever and ever and ever, so says the word of God. So when he tells you about your past, you remind him of his future. But that loop that runs in your head, that, those thoughts that over and over, that they come up from time to time, that person whose face just appears, bam, and you were having a good day. Come on. And now, all of a sudden, just the thought of them lathers you up, and you are angry. What well, I'm preaching today, this is, this is how the enemy works. And God wants to deliver us from our past, and the helmet of salvation is what does it. We've got to get that loop to turn off. We've got to get that thing to stay buried. Listen, because he, the enemy knows if he can get us stuck in the past, we won't be productive in our present. Some of us are living in the past and we're not enjoying today. And we're we're yearning for the good old days, but really today is the good old day. Amen. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Amen. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Well, Pastor, I I would rejoice and be glad in it, but do you know what what was said to me 20 years ago? Do you know what, what happened in my marriage? Do you know? So you're going to let your past cancel out your present? If we let our past cancel out our present, we've derailed our future. The implications of this are huge. We have got to deal with our past. We can't get stuck in the past. As believers, I want to tell you something. Jesus has dealt decisively with our past on the cross and we're covered in the blood. All that stuff, all those memories, all those wrong actions, all that sin, all the words spoken over you, they are canceled by the blood of Jesus. They are under the blood. And listen, they are in the past. And if you've got something to ask forgiveness for, confess it and ask God to forgive you, and then let it slip into the past. Some of us are dealing with stuff because we, we're too proud to humble ourselves to ask God to forgive us of it. Well, you know, it was their fault. It was his fault. It was her fault. And God says, well, take responsibility for what you did so you can get free of your past. Some people are like, man, I messed up so much. If you even knew what I've done, you wouldn't even like me. Uh, Listen, I don't like me. So what are you worried about? I'm a work in progress, amen? Paul said, I'm the worst of sinners, wretched man that I am. Who will destroy this body of sin? We're, we're not supposed to really be too enamored with ourselves. That's a whole nother sermon. You hang in there for that one. But we've got to allow the, the Lord to deal with our past. Our sins are forgiven. Look what Psalm 103, 11 and 12 says. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. Listen to verse 12. As far as the east is from the west... So far has he removed our transgressions from us. East from the west, that's about as far as you could get, amen. Amen. Our sins have been forgiven. They've been swallowed up in, in eternity, and they are under the blood. Listen to Hebrews 10, 4 through 17. For by one offering, Jesus dying on the cross, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. That's us. We're a work in progress. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us, For after saying, this is the covenant which I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws upon their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he says, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will no longer remember. Wow. God chooses not to remember our sins once he forgives them. If we confess them and he forgives us, he's faithful and just, What to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and then he remembers it no more. Do you ever do something to somebody and begrudgingly they forgave you, but they never let you forget what you did? (laughs) All the married people are looking nervous now. (laughs) That's not forgiveness. If we're constantly going to dangle it over, you did this and you did that and you did (laughs) that. That's not God. That's not God. That's not how God forgives. Father, I need you to bless me today. I'm, feel, I'm feeling worn out and weak. Father, need, but why should I bless you? You remember that thing you did 20 years ago? Remember how when I needed you, you weren't there. I needed you to go preach and you wanted to go fishing. And that, oh, well, maybe. Yeah. Is that God? No, he doesn't hold our sins over our heads. He forgives us. And so... The word is very clear that their sins and their lawless deeds I will no longer remember. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgression from us. Allow the truth of God's Word to protect your mind from the past so that you don't allow it to cancel your present and ruin your future. You are forgiven. You are a child of God. Your past is under the blood. God doesn't remember it, so would you please let it go? Amen. Amen. Number four, the fourth thing that the helmet of salvation protects us from is this, losing our hope. Yes, it protects our thought life, it protects us from going back to our old ways, it it protects us from our past, but it also protects us from losing our hope. You and I sometimes don't realize how vital hope is. Without hope, we are like a ship in the water with a broken mast, no sail and no rudder. We are just afloat with no power. Yeah, our past can dredge up some things. You know, the old man and the old nature wants to get back. Our our minds are constantly under attack. But the moment we have no hope, the enemy has got us beat. Despair is a very real enemy. Despair. In fact, say it with me. Despair. Despair is a very real enemy. We call our enemy out by name. Despair is a real enemy in the sense that all of us have tangled with despair and all of us have lost some battles to it. There are times where we just felt so worn out, so beat up, so disappointed that we quit and we threw in the towel and we quit on God and we quit on everything and we sat down. We got out of the race. God says, get up, fight the good fight, run the race. No, I'm sitting this one out. I'm just a spectator now. I'm that ship in the water with no sail and no rudder. And why? Why Why are we sitting here like this? Why are we just letting life pass by? Why are we we not receiving God's forgiveness and we're we're so disappointed with ourselves and our own sins and our own failures that we won't receive the forgiveness and the goodness of God? Why? Because we've lost our hope. Because despair came in like a flood and it kicked our butts and we sat down. And God's calling us to get up once again. God's calling us to grab hold of our hope that comes uh, through him. When things don't make sense, when things don't go our way, when things are much harder than we thought they were going to be, we lose our hope. Did you ever get in in something and you thought, oh, this is going to be great, great financial thing, great business thing, great relationship thing, and all of a sudden you get in and the newness of it wears off, and then it's more work than you thought it was going to be. And you're like, this is hard. This is work. There again, all the married people are laughing. Yep, she's working on me. And you think, you know, I'm disappointed with this. I'm not happy with this, and despair sets in, and all of a sudden we want to quit. The helmet of salvation is there to help us maintain our confidence and hope in God. Because, listen, it's the helmet of salvation. Remember, I said its strength is in the fact that we have salvation through Jesus Christ. How does this protect us from losing our hope? Listen to me, this is exactly how. Because no matter what, Life throws at us, no matter how many times we fail, no matter how many times we let God down or ourselves down, no matter all the flaws and failures, whatever comes at us today, it can't stop us because at the end of it all, when we die, we are going into the presence of God for eternity because we're saved. And that's our hope. That's our hope. You say, Pastor, you got anything else? Am I going to be rich? Am I going to have a beach house? Am I going to be famous? What do you want all that stupidity for? I mean, the beach house is cool. (laughs) But I I mean, no, our hope is not in any of those things. Oh, hope is in my 401k. My hope is in my retirement package. My hope is, if you hope on those things, you're going to be disappointed. And all of those things can fail in an instant. I'm not saying any of that's bad, but don't put your weight on it. Don't trust it. Young people, listen to me. The world will tell you, oh, chase the money, get the dollar, get the clothes, be rich, have the big house, have the big car. Listen, there's nothing in it. You're going to get there if you get there, and you're going to be like, that's it? That's it? I mean, I've, I've gotten stuff that all my life, you know, oh, I wish I could have this, I wish I could have that, and you get it, and you're like, that's it? I Man, I learned that lesson a long time ago. <laughs> it's quiet now. Well, i like to have this and i like to have that. God wants to give you good things, but he doesn't want you to put your trust in material things. Our hope doesn't come from that because those things can be shattered in an instant. They rust, they burn, they get stolen, they wear out. But not salvation. It's the greatest treasure we have. It's a free gift given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. It cost him every drop of his blood, and he's given it to you and I, and it is the thing that maintains our hope. I don't care what comes at me tomorrow. It could be hard. It could devastate my emotions. But at the end of it all, when I draw my last breath, I'm going to fall into the arms of Jesus for eternity, and it's going to be all right. From that moment forward, it's going to be all right. (laughs) To live is Christ and to die is gain. Well, I don't want to die. Then you ain't living right. Because the, the, the next life is the reward. Well, I'm accumulating a lot of stuff here. I like, I like what I got. <laughs> There's nothing on earth that you will yearn for in heaven. Everything in heaven is better, and Jesus is there, and we're going to see him face to face. The helmet of salvation protects our hope. It allows us to have confidence in God and to know that no matter what life throws at us, we are saved. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for the helmet, the the hope of salvation. So it's that hope of salvation that's tied into the helmet there. I wanna close with just this one story here. Jesus is our salvation, he is our hope, and when everything is gone and done and has failed us, that hope will remain. Without Jesus, we will have no stability in our minds. Is your mind frazzled? Is it all over the map? The Lord can focus it and give you stability. He can give you hope that comes from knowing that you're saved. In life, we'll have trouble. There'll be pressures and there'll be anxious moments and there'll be times when the enemy comes in to overwhelm us like a flood but this story gives us something to think about no one who knows anything about sailing or shipping and all the things that can happen at sea would ever go out to sea in any ship no matter how sophisticated without this one thing and this one thing is an anchor every one of us has to know Jesus as anchor. Even if you're in the greatest, most sophisticated modern ship afloat, circumstances could arise where the hope of the ship and the crew and all aboard would not depend on the captain or the crew or the engines or the navigational system or the gear for steering, but it will all depend on the anchor. The anchor can hold the ship steady in the most tumultuous sea. When all else has failed, you can count on the anchor. I want to ask you something today. Is Jesus your anchor? Is he the one who holds your soul together? Is he your hope? Not 25%, not 50 not 75%, 100%. I am hoping in Jesus 100%. If he's your hope today, then he's your anchor. And if he's your anchor, you're not going to lose your hope the helmet of salvation, it protects our thought life. It it keeps us from going backwards to our old nature. It protects us from the past, and it, it causes us to maintain our hope no matter what's going on around us. What a powerful thing for us to think about at a time like this. Dear saints of God, put on your helmet and take up your sword next time when we get together and talk about the sword of the spirit. It is the word of God, and you and I need massive amounts of it, amen, in our lives. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for everything you've packed into here uh, for us. One, one line take the helmet of salvation. And there's so much truth. There are so many principles in there for us. Help us to understand. We need to be mindful of our thought life to to understand our minds are under attack and we need to police our own thoughts. I pray for every saint today who's been disappointed, who's gone through things where they're shattered, where where the cost has been more than they thought it was going to be and now they've lost hope. God, restore our hope today. Give us that peace that passes all understanding.